Well, friends, we made it through another year. It wasn't easy, but we did it. We started to open up, get outside more, and spend more time with each other again. It seems like this year, a lot of people went deeper into nature. It wasn't just about conquering physical feats. We profiled people who connected with nature in different and profound ways. One guest went trail running as a way to connect with his ancestors. Others pursued incredible athletic endeavors, no matter their ability. And many sought out the healing power of the great outdoors. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm Shelby Stanger. I found out this year that Annie, who's been a producer of Wild Ideas Worth Living since we launched the show, does an impersonation of me when she's writing the episodes. I think it's hilarious. In 2021, we expanded what it means to live wildly. We talked to people with some seriously unique stories. For example, Cliff Berrickman, one of the world's foremost experts on Bigfoot, who's dedicated his life to proving that Sasquatches are real. Here at the North American Bigfoot Center, we have a really nice Bigfoot statue in our exhibit hall. It's very realistic. And whenever I have someone like this guy who's seen a Sasquatch very close, I invite him in the back and say, hey, here's our statue. Tell me what's different. Tell me what's the same. So I did that with this guy. His name's Jeremy. So I, I come back with Jeremy and he go, hey, check this out. And I'm pointing at the statue saying, hey, tell me what's different. And I look back at him. The dude is crying. His tears are, are welling up in his eyes, looking at Murphy saying, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, he was terrified. What kind of sounds do you think Bigfoot would make? Or maybe they would sound like a howler monkey, like, We also heard from musicians like Brett Eldridge, Joseph Mulrin, and Ryan Kinder about how getting outside influences their music. We even talked to someone about birding. And yeah, who knew birding could be so damn exciting? Turns out, it's a wonderful gateway into outdoor exploration. Ornithologist Karina Newsom made it sound like literally the most intoxicating activity ever. Listen, I think birding, I really think anywhere you go, but even like in North America, birds... If you just learn about who's out there, you can see such a wide diversity of birds standing still outside, even in the middle of a city. Birding is essentially the celebration of diversity of birds. And the reason why it's become, it is absolutely exploded in the U.S. and around the world, the, the, the activity of birding, simply because of how accessible it is. And you can be you know, they're really hardcore, got all the, you know, 10 cameras, four binoculars and all this other stuff. You can be that person or you can have absolutely nothing and just hear the birds and see the birds in, you know, viewable distance and you will have a blast. It's like a treasure hunt that never ends. You will never see all the birds. There are people whose goal is to see every bird on the planet, but you will never see all the birds. Not only will you never see all the birds, you'll never know everything about birds. They're just like an endless, the best kind of pit of wonder. It's the most like hope-giving, exciting, unifying even activity. And it literally, like, I feel like I'm going to tear up thinking about it. I never thought I'd get emotional hearing someone talk about birds. But Karina has a way of doing that. Her episode was one of our favorites this season. 
We interviewed a lot of mountain athletes and runners who explored the sport from different angles. Sika Henry talked about becoming the first African-American woman to get her triathlon pro card. Carl Sabe, a Belgian dentist, told us about running the fastest known times on both the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail. Susan Lakey, a journalist who happens to be deaf, shared how endurance sports push her out of her comfort zone. You're an incredible motivator. I have the really bad habit of leaping and then kind of putting together my parachute as I'm falling. I don't always understand what I'm getting myself into. You know, I, I think that when we put ourselves in a situation where we're scared of, you know, looking stupid, we're scared of failure, we're scared of whatever it is, it can really put us to say, well, I better train for this then. So I know that's not true for everybody. For some people, the fear can be so big and so um, so terrifying that it's paralyzing, really. But for me, I've always felt like failure is not an option. And especially because I'm a woman and I'm a woman with a disability, I already feel like people are kind of expecting me to fail. And I am going to do everything in my power to prove all of you wrong. Susan already is doing a lot to prove the doubters wrong. Sometimes the best thing we can do for ourselves is just jump and find our parachute on the way down. Susan runs so many races that push her out of her comfort zone. She even ran a naked 5K. I would definitely like to try that next year. So sign me up if you hear of any. This was a big sports year. We talked to three athletes who are training to compete at the International Athletic Event in Japan. Canadian rock climber Alana Yip shared her story about qualifying for this major competition. And David Brown, a blind sprinter, and Jerome Avery, his running guide, inspired us with their chemistry and their drive. This is David. What happens is we're synchronizing our steps like a three-legged race. We're no more than like three to four inches apart from each other. And when we're running, I know I can't see where I'm going. I can run into Jerome. I can run away from Jerome. So Jerome is, you know, literally pushing and pulling me in, you know, and um, it's a lot of work, you know, in order to, one, keep me in the lane because we only have two lanes. Uh, that's given to us. And then, you know, it's uh, very hard to stay in sync. And this is Jerome. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's very important to communicate. David needs to know where he's at on the track at all times. You know, and those are the important things. Like David touched on, we're allowed two lanes. So it's almost like a steering wheel while we're running. If he veers into me a little bit, and once again, communication. David, you're too close in. Veer out, veer out a little bit. Stay right there. There you go. Good job. Keep going. Come on, let's go. We're at the 30 meter mark. Come on, pick it up now. So these are the things that I'm constantly saying while we're running 100 meters. So I got to make sure, once again, that I'm in shape and ready to go because David needs to hear those things. He needs to know exactly where he's at. So a perfect example. It's almost like, you know, you're doing a workout and you have your strength coach saying, all right, give me two more. Give me one more. And if, he, and if you know you got, right, 
one more in you and he's and he's yelling that out to you and motivating you and pumping you up, you're going to give it your all. You can tell that Jerome would really light a fire under you to get that last rep in or shave off milliseconds from your race. Imagine what we could all do if we had David's talents combined with Jerome yelling in our ear. We know movement, especially movement outdoors, is medicine. Our last three shows of the year were all about running. I ran a lot this year. By the way, I'm still faster than my partner, Johnny. There was one athlete, though, in particular, who really challenged me and opened my mind about my relationship with the sport. Christian Gehring is an indigenous runner who views running as a form of prayer. When he runs, he's honoring his ancestors and the land they inhabited. There's a native word he uses to describe how he connects with his culture when he runs. Nipashu is like, you, you give it, you give it like you're all, you give it. It's hard to translate into English, but it's like give strength, give good, give power, you know, is the best way I could kind of say, give it all. It's not a word that you're just saying while you're sitting down. It's usually always said in relation to you're doing something. Nipashu, you're dancing, you're praying, you're, you're in the field, you're running, you're singing, is to like, in that moment, channel your energy, channel your intention to give all. Those actions, alongside my thoughts and my intentions, will have reverberations out into my life. We can only ground ourselves with practice and intention that gives back. And I would say running is that way because when you can put powerful intention, prayer, and meaning behind your run, you are able to reverberate that out through the motion of one foot in front of the other, your breath trying to align and steady your heart rate, that that is an example of, of, of nipashu. You're putting it all. Preserving and taking care of our mental health has been a big theme this year, especially in year two of a really bizarre time in our lives, the pandemic. It's been a challenging season for humankind, but as we heard from a handful of guests, spending time outside is one of the best ways we can heal. Lesford Duncan talked about how getting into nature helped him find freedom. Nature is this incredibly calming, incredibly healing space that helps us to just get away from some of the everyday stresses that, that we, we see, feel, experience, to helps us also sometimes to process through some of the trauma that we've been through personally in our lives as well. When you're in nature, there's a sense of freedom, the sense of kind of disconnecting from everything else and this, this groundedness, for her lack of a better term, that is just incredibly powerful. Um, and so it's it's been part of my personal mission for the past five, six years to, to really help, especially communities that have been disconnected from nature, communities of color, low-income communities, um, indigenous communities to experience that joy in nature. Adam Campbell shared his story about getting back into the mountains after he lost his wife in an avalanche. So for the last year, I've sort of been dealing with 
you know, the, the trauma of that day, um, the grief of losing your partner. Uh, it's been, and then, you know, with, with COVID on top of it all, it's been, it's been a pretty hellish year. Um, but for whatever reason, um, and, and luckily, um, you know, one area, like Laura and I had like a lot of really, really profound experiences together in the mountains. And I've found quite a lot of uh, healing by getting back out into the mountains. And not necessarily everybody will, would understand that urge to get back out there and need to get back out there. But I definitely feel like a strong connection and closeness with her when I'm out there. You know, a large part of my healing has been by getting back out and into the places. And they've caused me quite a lot of trauma and, and pain and grief, but they've also brought a lot of beauty and joy and pleasure. Uh, while also doing a lot of counseling. <laughs> uh, I, I've become a really big fan of walking. I go for a lot of walks. Whether it's going for walks with skis on my feet or just going for a, a walk, I find it really meditative. And, you know, once again, for somebody who's sort of spent their life running around the mountains, um, like slowing down has really helped me a lot this year, for sure. And once again, also, you know, as much as possible this year, um, surround myself with, with really good people and having their, their love and support has been, I, I wouldn't have gone through without them. Author and researcher Florence Williams talked about how nature impacts our physical and our mental health. The pandemic year was horrible and difficult and stressful, right, for so many people. The sort of silver lining is that I think on, on a lot of levels, it caused us to kind of reexamine, you know, our priorities and pay attention to our mental health. What I saw was really gratifying, as you mentioned, in terms of, of people going outside and actually noticing that it was helpful to their mental health. So, you know, the things that I've been talking about for a long time, that you've been talking about for a long time, it was like suddenly people got it. And that was really exciting. And people also got how grumpy they were by being on screens all day and feeling confined. So there was this really nice sort of natural experiment set up where people could close the computers and go for a walk and look at the sunset and suddenly feel so much better. And they noticed it. So that was, and, and I think we're also seeing kind of more mental health professionals take it seriously too, which is really important. So more therapists saying, well, yeah, you, you know, you can't go visit your family and you, you know, you can't go to a bar and you can't, you know, whatever, but are you going for walks? Are you getting outside? You know, are you able to enjoy some nature? So that alone is also, I think, a big win. The good news is that many of us were able to get outside much more this year. Maybe that meant taking more neighborhood walks or eating dinner with loved ones outside. Maybe that meant doing more hikes or even visiting some national parks. Our guest, Micah Meyer, is practically a national parks pro. He was the first person to visit all of the U.S. national parks and service sites on one trip. Now Micah is raising awareness about LGBTQ plus communities and working to make the parks welcoming to all. 
Another guest, Misha Youssef, was a National Park novice before this year. In January, Misha spent six weeks driving to eight parks, and she made her journey into a podcast called Hello Nature. One of her takeaways was that spending time outside can really invoke a sense of awe. So normally when we watch like a nature documentary or see nature in TV or in real life, we see like grand views, panoramic, zoom out drone footage, right? Cinematic score, cinematic visuals. And obviously that evokes awe because you're really little in these big things. But something else that evokes awe is the tiny little things and the intimacy and noticing something that has always been there, but that has a completely different light shown upon it, both literally and figuratively. Misha's focus on the little things reminds me of Barney and Sandy Mann, the trail angels. Something that might seem small, like offering a through hiker, a can of soda, or a fresh piece of fruit, can really make someone's day when they're out on the trail for months at a time. Barney and Sandy do a lot more than offering refreshments, though. For many years, they've opened their home to thousands of thru-hikers, providing warm meals, beds, showers, transportation, and most of all, a community to those embarking on the Pacific Crest Trail. People ask us often, why do you host people, and especially the numbers get so high and you have people completely invade your life for two months. And we don't accept donations. If there's one thing I could wish for in this world, it'd be, it would be that there'd be more kindness. Uh, we have people write us all the time, especially, especially internationally, say, no one would ever do this in Europe. And to have someone, you know, uh, an American open their house, uh, feed us, and basically we treat everyone here, whether you're 18 or 70, as if you're one of our children. And I feel like we're sending out in the world this wonderful, insidious wave of kindness. It's amazing. You guys published your like phone number. I mean, everything on online. You yep. know, we live in a an age where like you're not supposed to publish your address or your number. And you're like, no, I'm going to publish my information where I live. I want you to come stay here. And nothing has been taken from you. You've never had an issue. Nope. People are basically good. And you give them the opportunity. When you see someone on the trail, well, and you, you know, and sometimes you're out in places where the only people out there are PCT through hikers, and you know that when you meet that person, they'll give you the shirt off their back, and you do the same for them. After we did the uh, our through hike, I came back, and I've said it since then. Out there, I found the community I always wanted to be with, and I never knew existed. So other than hiking the trail, which you know a lot of people aren't going to be able to do, how can people become more like you? So one of the things that we do say um, is, uh, especially when people offer something, um, we'll ask them to pay it forward. And we get we get notes and letters and cards. Uh, I have a whole, we have a stack of cards. People tend to write us around Christmas time, thank you, whatever. And, and uh, saying that the, you know, the next time that they had a situation present. We are, all of us, all the time, we are presented with opportunities to do something nice. All of us are. Take advantage of that. Sometimes it feels a little embarrassing or whatever, but do it next time. And it it's this wonderful, positive feedback loop. You do it once, that felt good. 
and you're more inclined to do it again and again and again. Kindness and altruism are some of the most powerful motivators and wild ideas of them all. For me, laughter is one too. Toilet's flushing. Hold on. <laughs> okay. This is almost a perfect take. We did a lot of laughing behind the scenes this year. Hopefully, some of these bloopers make you laugh too. Nice. Do you ever do Coke on the bike? Oh, that sounded really bad. I got to re ask that question. <laughs> this is going to make the outtakes. Do you do Coke on the bike? Not that kind of Coke. Oh my God, do I sound too much like an NPR host? Or like one of those TV news reporters? <sighs> Sorry if I do. I'll work on it. Excuse me, that was a proper burp. <laughs> I apologize about that. Oh my God, I can't believe you guys are including me burping. Well, now that I've properly grossed you out by belching in your ear, I owe you a big thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast this year for giving an audience to these stories. I hope at least some of them inspired you to pursue your own wild idea, or at least to get outside a little more than you used to. I got a few great comments and letters from listeners this year, mostly about hiking and surfing and the things you're doing to live wildly. Please keep them coming. You guys make doing this show so much fun and so worth doing. I appreciate you and the message you send. I love hearing your stories about your own wild ideas. Special thanks also to our producers, Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative. Annie is an amazing chef, and she and her husband play in a band when they're not raising their young son. Sylvia does capoeira, and Chelsea Davis not only trail runs and kayaks, but she has this awesome group of friends that every year rent a giant house that they party in. And this year they rented a castle. So yeah, I work with some pretty great humans. So thank you, Chelsea, Annie, and Sylvia. Special thanks also to the good people at REI for supporting this show. I always wanted this show to get more people outside. And I personally believe there's no brand that does it better than REI. I'm so grateful to work with such a great company with so much integrity. So before we sign off, I've got some big, big news. For one thing, this show is going weekly, so you're going to get double the episodes. We've already started recording interviews, so be sure to follow the show on your preferred podcast app so you can listen in when we start back up in a couple of weeks and tell your friends. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and a very happy and healthy new year. We hope you'll join us in January for the beginning of what's going to be an incredible season. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of REI's podcast network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are the amazing Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. These guys also rule as dads. As always, we appreciate when you follow the show, when you rate it, and when you review it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. <laughs> <laughs>